Father, we thank you for a Lord's Day morning that we get to gather together under the teaching and preaching of your word. We pray, Father, for wisdom in this hour as we unfold uh, further the topic of parenting, specifically husband and wife roles in parenting. We thank you, Father, that your word is sufficient for every matter of life and godliness. And we pray, Lord, that you'd be glorified in our worship, in our repentance, in our faith, Father, as we seek to grow as you've purposed through the ministry of your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I've put at the top of the handout there just sort of the uh, framework for this series uh, last week. Uh, if you were here, you heard Pastor Randy talk about sort of the theological foundation of parenting, the parents' priorities. Today, we have husband and wife roles in parenting. Uh, next week, Pastor Randy will come back and talk about discipline and correction in parenting. And then we'll have uh, Mark Scarborough here July 3rd, Lord willing. He's uh, one of our missionaries overseas, and he will give us an update July 3rd. Then July 10th, we'll come back to this, and I'll do training and instruction in parenting. And then I put this on here in part so you can remember to write down your questions. We'll probably have you send in questions the last week or two prior to the July 17th parenting question and answer. And we haven't decided for sure who's going to be on that panel, but uh, there will be several of us who uh, will be up here just to sort of do a, a back and forth. Uh, and actually, probably more, we'll have a moderator who has prepared questions and we'll try to address things that come up just in the course of the weeks on parenting. So that's the overall framework. Lord willing, we'll be doing this until July 17th with that Q&A. Uh, so this morning is husband and wife roles in parenting. Uh, and before we get to that content, actually, I just wanted to, since this is my first chance to be up here on this topic, uh, just offer uh, some insight pastorally into why we're doing this. Uh, Randy probably talked about this a little bit last week, but I wanted to give you a little bit of my perspective. Uh, first off, uh, I don't know if you all have noticed that things have changed a bit at Calvary Bible Church in the last couple of years, uh, and I think that is probably the case everywhere, particularly with COVID, but uh, just we, we planted a church in August of 2020 and sent away, even more so than with Living Hope, with Christ Fellowship, we sent away a lot of key ministry families that had been serving here for decades. Uh, 80 people altogether, and then in the time period a little bit before that, when we were one of the few churches open during parts of COVID, and then following that, the Lord has added to our number uh, more quickly and with uh, a different kind of demographic than, than we've probably ever seen in Calvary's history. Uh, and so, like you see there, it's, it's represented sort of a culture shift at Calvary. And I was thinking, okay, how can I talk about that without offending anyone? <laughs> and maybe, maybe the best way is to talk about my experience. I don't know uh, how many of you guys know this, but Kelly and I and our daughter Claire, who was, was she, no, she wasn't even one. We moved here from Los Angeles uh, 12 years ago almost. And we ended up here within a few months of that. And, uh, and this is maybe going to surprise some of you, even more than it is now, this was a conservative, southern, small church. And we, coming from Los Angeles, did not look like this church. <laughs> and this church did not look like us. 
Uh, and we saw examples of folks who were walking faithfully. I mean, examples like we had never seen in our lives. And we also saw people that were externally different from us. And, and there was some, you know, discernment that needed to happen. We probably needed to change some externally. But most of the change we needed was faithfulness and just a readiness to come into the conformity to what Scripture teaches Well, in that situation, in terms of ratio, there were way more folks who'd been here a long time and had been under the Bible's instruction and following each other's example in terms of parenting. And the kids of the church uh, showed that to us. And I remember sitting behind the Scheffler family, and Matt Scheffler is now one of the elders at Christ Fellowship, and they had kids that were, I don't know, Annie was probably two or three at the time, and their oldest was under 10 still. And I watched them parent, and we had our, our little girl, Claire, and we were just totally green in parenting. And I remember thinking, I, I'm not going to be a parent like that unless I learn something. Uh, and by God's grace, just following examples and speaking, having godly men speak into my life uh, here at Calvary, uh, the Lord has helped us. Not that we're perfect parents, but we look a whole lot more like faithful parents than we would have had we just been left to ourselves coming here with our Los Angeles sensibilities. (laughs) So, uh, kind of what's, yeah, and Damon's laughing, it was, and I was going to mention this later, but uh, it was within a few months of being here probably, I don't know what Jen Cup saw, uh, but she probably saw us doing something wrong in parenting. (laughs) And after service one day, Kelly tells this story routinely. She asked Kelly if she could disciple her, and Kelly said yes, and then came home and asked me what that meant. <laughs> and they spent, I, I don't know, like a year maybe until Jen and Damon moved to Uganda meeting regularly, and Jen just speaking into Kelly's life how to be a wife and a mother. And so that is something, you know, with the two weeks on discipleship, Jeremy and Stuart, getting you guys uh, more with that mindset of of. We are the ministers, all of us, not just the elders and wives. There would be way too much. But we need to uh, respond to that culture shift by building up the body in such a way that we understand that it is all of our responsibilities to do what what Jen came to Kelly to do uh, that day. And I'll talk a little bit more about some of those dynamics as we go along. Uh, But um, just in terms of that pastoral concern, you heard me allude to it, but it's not that we're looking for an external uniformity. Uh, we don't all need to dress the way that this church primarily did back when we came. <laughs> like I said, some of you may be surprised by this, but this church is relatively hip compared to 12 years ago. <laughs> and, and that's not necessary. It's fine. What is necessary is that we discern what the Bible says about parenting, what it requires of us, and that is going to make things look different externally, but not necessarily uniform. Um, so there's a matter of discerning the difference between those two things. Uh, okay, I think that's, that's probably enough on the culture shift. The next thing is just parenting presuppositions, and this is just reminding you basically of, and the first thing there is from Pastor Randy's uh, talk last week, that we are stewards, and I crossed out of our and put God's children there from that key text in Ezekiel 16. Uh, And this is just a reminder that the world has a lot of goals that we are tempted to participate in, whether that's a middle-class lifestyle, the right kind of home, the right kind of career, uh, educational attainments, and I'll mention this a couple times. The Bible does not say that our kids have to have a Western education, but it does say that we have to have biblical parenting principles 
And so we'll tease that out as we go. And I think this is just a powerful part of that foundation that Pastor Randy laid last week, is that to the extent that we give our, our children and our parenting to the world's goals, we're sacrificing our children, God's children, to idols. And that's a serious, serious thing. In keeping with that, and Pastor Dan actually picked up on this, uh, as I think somewhere in his sermon last week, you know, we often say things like, we don't know what to do with our hands until God tells us. And we don't know how to be parents until God tells us. And, and I can speak from experience, just saying there's a tendency to coast. There's a tendency to go with what you always knew, maybe what you were raised with, with the you know, one caveat everyone wants to say, well, I'm going to give my kids better than my parents gave me. But other than that, and when things start to go a little sideways, you look to experts maybe, uh, you look to what you think of as maybe better examples or principles that you gather from the culture. Um, psychology is a big uh, resource that people unfortunately uh, look to for this. God's Word, as I prayed, gives us everything we need to know about being a faithful parent. And so we look there. Uh, Genesis 1.28, it's the first time God speaks to his people. That's the first recorded time God speaks to Adam and Eve. And what a gift that we have the, and that's God, the great creator of the universe, speaks to his people. And he hasn't stopped speaking to us since. And we have, I mean, we have a sufficient word. We have way more words than Adam and Eve had that day in the garden as he was giving them instruction for what they were to do. Job 28 is sort of a summation of Job up until that point where you see the world's wisdom through Job's friends brought to bear on the issues that Job is struggling with, and it's worthless. And that's where Job finally says, wisdom, man can do all this stuff, but wisdom can only be found with God. That's, uh, Job 28 just encapsulates that. So where do we look? We look to God's word. And so that's, that's what we're doing uh, in all these weeks. That's the goal in all these weeks is to say, how are we to be parents? How are we to be parents? We look to God's word. Thirdly, in terms of pastoral concerns, be encouraged, uh, and I've heard this a couple times, including just now with Rodney. Uh, uh, there are some of you who are a ways down the road, some of you who are past this, your, your children are adults, some of you who've never been parents, uh, maybe don't expect to be, or maybe you will be. For each and every one of us, this is important wisdom to learn. I mean, for one thing, we want to learn the full counsel of God, right? That includes what God's Word has to say about parenting. And the other thing, I was just talking about this with Rodney, is in, in view of that culture shift that we've seen, we're going to see, and I know we have seen this, and there's going to be a mix in here of folks who've been here longer and folks who haven't been here as long, but those especially who've been here longer, you've noticed, and especially if you sit in here during worship service, there's noisiness, there are unruly kids. And I'm not singling anyone out, but that's just been a shift. And you see it in the chapel too, but even more in here, understandably in here, it's more of a draw for, for those folks because they know they're not as likely to interrupt the preaching. But rather than being in here or in there and thinking, man, why, why don't those parents keep their kids calm like the parents did, you know, 10, 12 years ago here? What's, what's shifted? Well, it may be that we haven't yet, and I mean, this is the case, we haven't yet brought those folks into discipleship relationships. We haven't yet had them. And, and this is, I want to just reinforce, we are so thankful, and we remind ourselves to be thankful for that cultural shift. I mean, that whether it's the, the combination of COVID or 
uh, MacArthur gaining prominence because of being on Tucker Carlson, and we're on the Master Seminary website, and so folks have come this way. Folks are coming from California, which you know, I, I joked back then when we left that we felt like we were rats leaving the Titanic. <laughs> and maybe all the more so now. So we have, and I mean, it's like we meet someone from California just about every week coming here, uh, which I think we were the only ones for years back <laughs> in 2010. Uh, but anyway, uh, because of that shift, there are opportunities, whether it's in small group or it's in worship service or wherever. And, and I think, Rodney, you said you've had opportunities with some of the young men, some of them who probably aren't yet dads, but is this information they're going to want to know if they move in that direction? Absolutely. And, and Rodney, you do have experience with parenting, but others don't. That doesn't mean that you're inadequ- and inadequate. Of course, we're all inadequate. But, but the Lord can use you as a minister of this truth just as he can with a minister of, as a minister of any other truth in Scripture to bring the truth to bear on the issue of parenting. So, uh, again, and, and Randy made this point last week, as, as Randy Patton did, was that September of last year, I think? One of those uh, conference weekends last year when the conference was in Granbury, Randy Patton was here and taught on parenting. I think it was a sermon. So that's a resource. I didn't put it in the notes, but you can find it on our website if you look for Randy Patton as the speaker. Uh, He made that point in a slightly different way, that this is biblical truth that that the whole body needs to know. So so be aware of that. So those are sort of the preliminary uh, pastoral concerns I wanted to go through. Our content for today, husband and wife roles in parenting. And you see the key thought on the handout the key thought for the morning. So if you walk away with one thing, uh, this would be the thing. The non-optional first step in biblical parenting is the pursuit of your biblical role in marriage. Let me say that again. And, and yeah, I, I phrased it that way intentionally. Non-optional. This is just non-negotiable as the, as the first step. The first step in biblical parenting is the pursuit of your biblical role in your marriage. Now, you see a footnote there. Single parenting brings a different set of challenges, and I will allude to that a couple of times. It's not going to change a whole lot the way single parents or parents with unbelieving spouses uh, listen to this material, but I do want to acknowledge that and make some comments on it along the way. So, three main points. Uh, Number one, our marriages are preliminary to our parenting. That's obvious there in that, that key thought. Uh, secondly, husbands lead out. So this, this is the husband's role. Husbands lead out in dying to self in parenting. And then thirdly, the other role, wives pursue the way of the faithful soldier. So those are the three uh, major points that tell us and fill in that key thought. How do you, how do you pursue that first step of, of pursuing your biblical role in your marriage. So number one, just sort of laying the groundwork, our marriages are preliminary to our parenting. And Pastor Randy, I think, mentioned this pretty explicitly last week, that the marriage relationship is permanent and the parenting relationship is temporary. So you see a reflection of that, and you see it just explicitly stated when God institutes marriage in Genesis 2, that the man will leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, who, of course, also leaves her parents. Uh, Jesus, quoting that in Genesis, I'm sorry, in Matthew 19, verse 5, uh, then in verse 6 says, What God has joined together, let no one 
put asunder, let no one separate. So the marriage relationship is permanent. That is the priority. It is preliminary. The parenting relationship is temporary. Children leave their parents. That's, so that's a temporary relationship. Uh, you see there that there is also a tendency, or this is a concern, that there's a tendency to reverse those priorities. And you guys just may know intuitively what I mean by that, but, and just to tease that out a little bit, it happens for a variety of reasons. Marriage is tough, parenting is tough, and eventually as problems mount in the marriage, you may start to look at that and say, well, this isn't my kid's fault. Uh, it's going to be more than I can do to untangle my marriage issues, but I can really try to give myself to my children and make sure that they turn out well and that they, they, they don't uh, suffer for the fact that I have a bad marriage. Well, that's going to make things worse if you, if you swap those as priorities and put the, 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 a child-centered home uh, and just flip that and make the, the parenting the priority over the marriage. It's not going to uh, serve your children well. So uh, that's the first thing, is, is the permanent versus temporary, the preliminary uh, uh, nature of the marriage relationship in comparison with the parenting relationship. Uh, letter B there, your marriage speaks volumes to your children. And go ahead and open your Bibles. Uh, if there is one key text for this morning, it's Ephesians 5, and you might jot this down. Verses 22 to 23. Ephesians 5 verses 22 to 23. Paul writes, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies, he who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. So, like I said, that if there is a key text for this morning, it's that. Uh, there's no more explicit uh, explanation in the Bible that your marriage is a picture of the gospel. So, I think the question would be is if, if children are in a home with married parents, do they observe the marriage? And just imagine if a key model of the gospel is on display in front of your face every day, only it's communicating a corrupt gospel. It's saying that Christ doesn't treasure the church. It's saying that Christ doesn't care about sanctifying the church. 
It's saying that the church has no interest in submitting to Christ. What do you think the effect of that model is on the children who get to see it? What does it tell them about the gospel? It's not something good. And so just, just to reinforce the danger of swapping those priorities and making the, the parenting relationship preliminary to the marriage or more of a priority over the marriage, it's not going to serve the kids. And that flows right into the next point, the danger of hypocrisy. Kids can smell hypocrisy a, wa- a mile away. So say you're, you're paying lip service to the truth of the gospel, but that's how you're living in front of them is with that testimony I just described, just totally flipping everything Paul says there in Ephesians 5. It's, it's, it's going to be something that's likely to turn them off. And in the, the, the text that I've noted there, Ephesians 6, don't exasperate your children. That's, that's going to be a way to exasperate them. And then Matthew 18, 6 and Mark 9, 42, that's just the text where Jesus says, it's better for someone to have a millstone hung around their neck and be cast into the heart of the sea than to lead one of these little ones. And in the context, he's looking at little children to lead one of these little ones astray. So it's a, it's a serious serious thing. Then just practically, uh, let her see the disaster of disunified parenting. And James 4, uh, you guys probably know it well. I know it's been, it's been uh, spoken on and ministered here in various contexts, but uh, what James says there is what happens when you chase your own desires. You're disunified in your own desires. He says this, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And, and if you know that dynamic of disunified parenting, of husband and wife who are not united, not seeking the unity of their relationship, like the, the relationship between Christ and the church, that characterizes that kind of marriage. You know, not physical murder necessarily, although it can lead to that, but like Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, that anger that comes out of the heart is murderous. It's, it's just rage that is defi- divisive. And, and that is going to be evident to the kids, which you see there in point two. And, and you just imagine this in a workplace environment. Your boss comes and gives you an instruction or a correction, and then his boss comes and contradicts that. How's that going to make it go for you? There's, there's a good way to be exasperated and to exasperate your children. Again, to be disunified in parenting. Uh, so there's that preliminary point. Uh, and like I said, I want you guys to be uh, writing down questions you have, and, and we'll ask you to send those in later. But I also want to be able to just be interrupted here, and actually I didn't ask. Can someone get the handheld wireless mic uh, in case there's a need for that? <laughs> so don't ask your question right this minute. But uh, I want you to be able to interrupt me, and I want to make sure that we get these, these three key points in particular. So that's the first one, uh, is our marriage is preliminary to our parenting. Our marriage is preliminary to our parenting. The remaining two points are uh, the husband's role first, and then the wife's role. And I'm going to wait <laughs> for a minute until they get that set up, and then I'll ask if there are any questions. Uh, so, husbands. Husbands lead out in dying to self in parenting. And I want there to be a little bit of tension in that. Uh, Yes, husbands lead. And at times we emphasize that. And yes, husbands serve. Husbands die to themselves. And at times we emphasize that. Both need to be emphasized. And they're not contradictory, although they could be seen to be in 
in uh, tension with each other. Uh, before I go too far on this, uh, I'll mention, and this is just pretty obvious, we're not going to be able to cover, we could spend a whole Sunday school on just the husband's role and another one in probably multiple weeks on, on just the wife's role. Uh, same for both of those. So let me mention, and I didn't put this in the notes, but Stuart Scott's book, The Exemplary Husband, is a wonderful resource and, and one that I went through shortly after I came to Calvary, probably because one of the men <laughs> encouraged me to do that. And it's not on parenting per se, but it, it gives you practical explanation of how to die to yourself in your marriage. And it hurts, and it's really good for you. <laughs> so if, if you're needing or you're needing to point someone to a resource uh, that's going to be more comprehensive than what I can offer uh, under this point, then Stuart Scott, the exemplary husband. And I won't mention this again when we get to the wife. I'll just say now, Martha Peace, the excellent wife. Uh, just the other side of that, the, the wife's role. Uh, they're, they're published by the same publisher. They probably even collaborated, Stuart Scott and Martha Peace. And those are just both excellent resources uh, for those uh, areas of <coughs> understanding what Scripture has to say on those issues. Okay, so we have the microphone ready. Anyone have any questions so far? Good. means either you're not following me or you've understood everything I've said. <laughs> if it's the former, go back and listen to the recording. See if you can get it again. Okay, so uh, husbands lead out in dying to self and parenting. First, you are called like Jesus to lay down your life. Mark 10.45 says, The Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And you guys may even already be thinking, okay, we just heard that in Ephesians 5. The husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So Paul explicitly connects that heart of Jesus and his coming with the heart the husband must have towards his wife. He lays down his life. And that's teased out a little bit in Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8. And I'm not going to ask you to go there for the sake of time, but just as a, as a synopsis, uh, Paul explains there that Jesus only ever existed in the form of God. If the second person of the Trinity was perceived prior to the Incarnation, he was perceived as God. Omnipotent, just glorious, unspeakably holy. And what did Jesus do? He took on flesh. He took on not just our human nature, but a low form of it. He was seen as not a great man. He went around looking like a slave, essentially. And then he went to a death that was worthy of a criminal, a death worthy of curse. And, and both, of course, his people and the Romans, they all said, here's a man who's worthy of a criminal's death. And Jesus went to all of that. So that teases out there, the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life. And like I said, Paul connects that explicitly with the husband's role in, 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 in parenting, in marriage with his wife. Um, uh, so I say that, and I, you know, I sort of said this a moment ago, but uh, one of the things that can tend to happen is we emphasize, and rightly so because it's under attack in our culture, the idea of the husband's authority, the, the, the idea of male leadership, and I'm going to hit that too. It's absolutely necessary, but it can't be hit at the expense of this idea of coming not to be served, 
Your leadership, husbands, is as a slave. Not a slave to your wife, per se, but a slave to God. And, and like Jesus was willing to take on that form, you are willing to take on that form. It's, it's not even a step down, really, for us. It was for him. You know, that's, that's the conviction of Philippians, too. So you are called to lay down your life. Be a servant to your wife. So what does that look like? Uh, letter B. Die to yourself. Serve her preferences where you can in faith. Uh, and I'll mention here, um, I didn't put this on there, but I thought of it after I think these were printed. Spiritual disciplines. Uh, you, you, one of the key ways you're going to serve your wife is by abiding in the Word and the Word abiding in you. And if you're speaking into the life of a young dad and he's not spending time with the Lord, that's going to be objective number one. And the husband has a special responsibility that Paul gives him, and we read that in Ephesians 5, of sanctifying his wife with the washing of the Word. And believe me, husbands, if you're not doing it yourself, you're not in a position to come and help your wife with that. But to the extent you're doing it, she sees you humbly coming and submitting to God's authority, to the authority he's placed in elders, sitting under the preaching of the word, having the word change you, you do have a footing to minister to your wife. And especially if she's a believer and wants to be obedient, she's going to thank you for coming around periodically and making sure that she's having her time uh, with the Lord. So that's a key way you're given to serve your wife. But then that next part that I put there, serve her preferences where you can in faith. Uh, You know, you're not going to agree on everything. (laughs) That's no surprise. Uh, and, and a lot of the things you're going to not agree on aren't going to have, there's not going to be a verse that says you, you must do this and you must not do that. So those are going to be opportunities, husbands, for you to say, okay, I'll give my wife her preference. Uh, and, and Kelly gave me license to embarrass both of us <laughs> with illustrations. And I don't know that this one's, I don't, let me think which one I'm going to use. I don't think it's going to be terribly embarrassing, but uh, one, and this may even resonate with some of you, we have differences of opinion as to whether or not our kids should go to the dentist. <laughs> I think they shouldn't. She thinks they should go twice a year. <laughs> and they go once a year. So <laughs> we've, we've compromised on that. And I, I, I mean, is, am I serving your preference in that area? <laughs> She's, she says yes. What's that? Yes, thank you for at least one time, she says. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's not an expensive dentist, so <laughs> she may lament that too. But, uh, you know, it, the, actually that transfers over into medical also. And I've, I've just thought, okay, that's a little bit more reasonable, even though I would probably still pretty much stay away until it was necessary. But they go more often, probably. I just let her pretty much have her way with that. Um, so, and those, I mean, that's not even to bind you guys to handling it that way. But just to say, there are going to be things. I don't have a verse that says I'm allowed to say no to that. I mean, I guess I could say, well, I'm the authority as the husband, and so I'm going to say it's going to be this way. But I don't want to be like that. I want to serve her preferences where I can in faith. I don't have such a strong conscience conviction on those things that I'm going to come out and say, no, this is how it's going to be. You know, occasionally, there, and this is, I mean, part of it is picking your battles. Occasionally, there are going to be things where I don't have a verse that says, thus says the Lord, but I'm going to say, okay, well, our bank account is the way it is. And by that, God is telling us, you can't do this. And so I'm going to have to lead and say no. Uh, and I want to have a track record of having served her preferences in faith, uh, if and when that's necessary. 
so uh, a few more things, and these, these kind of fall in one category of communication. Communication is so important. Again, that could be a whole lesson that we don't have time for. But it's been taught here. If you look up the four rules of communication, especially in our counseling materials that are online, you'll find a whole lecture. Helpful, very helpful on communication. Uh, I remember, and I've, I don't know if I've said this to you recently, Ken, but you, Ken was my accountability partner in ISI, as he has been for many men over the years, uh, early on when we came to the church, and you encouraged me in this. Just be sure that you are on the same page, you know, coming and checking in with your wife, praying with her, making sure you're on the same page spiritually with her diligently, uh, which means paying attention to her spiritual condition. Uh, my wife, we were going over this yesterday, she said, if, if your wife is feisty, find out why. <laughs> and when she says, I'm fine, don't believe it. <laughs> so just pay attention uh, to her spiritual condition out of love. Again, you're serving her. You're her servant in this. Give her leadership and direction. Uh, and for us, we homeschool. So this is, you know, and, and we'll, we'll touch on this more as we get to the wife's role. Uh, I can't be there. I have another calling for most of my hours in the day. I can't be there to make most of the decisions, to implement, to implement most of the decisions. But if I don't give her direction and instruction, especially if I come back later and disagree with what she's done, that's just going to be not good. And so sitting down, and we do this periodically, we should probably have a better structure than we do, which Randy can pray. He, Randy's more structured in that kind of way than I am. <laughs> you probably have like a monthly reminder to do this with Savannah. <laughs> I wait till Kelly's feisty. <laughs> so follow Randy's example. No. Um, okay, so yeah, and do that. So, so think about these things. This is your responsibility, husbands. You cast the vision for your home. You cast the vision for, and Randy's going to talk about discipline and correction next week. I'll talk about instruction uh, and training. And, and husbands, you cast the vision for that. That's an important part of your role. You give your wife the big picture of what you want and trust her to implement it when you're not there, which is going to be a lot of the time. We'll get into that with the wife's role. And then check in. And yeah, don't actually wait until she's feisty. Check in regularly. Uh, and, and just, it's, you guys know this already. There's a give and take to this. You know, some evenings it's going to be fine to sit down and watch a movie together, play a game. Uh, other evenings you're going to have to have a serious conversation. And, and you should probably just make sure that that's balanced. Make sure that that's happening probably at least once a week. I mean, it's just a general principle. But you don't want to let it go long. Uh, and, and Ken's encouragement to me back then was do it every day. Uh, and that's really, I would say, if you're going to err on one side, err on doing it every hour. Don't, don't let it go. Don't let it go. Check in. So that's serving your wife. Next, serving your children, which right away I'm going to hook it back in and say treasure your wife in front of them. Let them see that testimony to the gospel. She is like Christ, like the church is to Christ. She is a treasured possession to you. And, and the kids will be able to tell whether that is the case or not. Uh, next, give them what God requires. And this would be when you figure out, okay, how am I going to give leadership and direction to my wife? Am I going to say, make sure they're in this many extracurriculars, make sure that their education is progressing at this pace, make sure that they are socially well-developed, make sure that they're going to be able to get into the right schools? No. 
Those are not the things, although they can distract from the things. And I'll just say this here, and it's, it's applicable to both roles. Nobody likes to do the discipline, and few like to do the training. And so is it appealing to swap in education, to swap in, you know, this many hours allowed to watch TV, this many hours, you know, social development, this many hours extracurricular? Would we rather do that than, than spanking? Absolutely. And, and dads, the moms would rather do that than spanking. So if you lead out that way, or don't lead at all, and that's the default, then don't be surprised if your kids are turning out more like the kids of the world and less like the kind of kids God wants to see turn out. And I had this, by the way, in the preliminary concerns, um, just because we're moving into practical stuff. I think you'll see how this connects in. Uh, Randy talked last week, and this is good as the theological foundation, that uh, there is not always a one-for-one in terms of faithfulness with this and how your kids turn out. And, And God is sovereign. He causes faithful Christians to come out of homes that were a wreck, and he causes people who were a wreck to come out of faithful homes. And that's just the mystery of his sovereignty. Uh, but there is a cause and effect here that is generally true, like the Proverbs. The Proverbs are truisms that work out. They tend to work out in a consistent way. And that's the aspect that Paul's appealing to in 1 Timothy 3 when he makes this a requirement for an elder. It says that, that the children of an elder have to be well-disciplined, under submission to their parents, faithful even, Titus 1. So there is, there is a connection between your parenting and the outcome. And that's, like I said, looping back into what I said about this is, this is part of why we want to do this as a church, is the behavior of our children, their respectfulness, their ability to sit under the word, even, even a growing desire in them to sit under the word and to pay attention to that. And we'll get to that more in training uh, in a few weeks. Uh, all of that is generally, like I said from the Proverbs, as a truism, the outflow of biblical parenting. That's, that's part of the goal and, and generally going to be connected with faithfulness in parenting. So we want to bear that testimony in our families. We want to proclaim the excellencies of Christ and how our kids, by the grace of God, as we walk as faithful parents, are bearing the fruit of faithful parenting. And that does even often include they come to faith in the Lord. Again, we can't control that as the outcome. But there is an aspect, even if they don't know the Lord yet, of discipline. We'll get to this in coming weeks. And training that bears out in not being unruly and not being just looking more like the kids of the world. The, the kids in the church should look different. Okay, so I got off my notes there for a minute. Okay, so you give them what God requires. And notice I put sustenance. So that's a primary responsibility for the husband. You need to provide for your family. That's more on you. Being a worker at home, we'll see, is more on your wife. And so you're going to be going out. Now, as the provider of sustenance, you're bearing testimony to them. This is what our Father does for us, right? So there's evangelism at every step of the way, even if it's just being modeled. Next, discipline, and and Pastor Randy will touch on that next week. And there again, evangelism is part of discipline. We have a Father who disciplines us, Hebrews 12. So I trust Randy will tease that out further. And then training, so the positive side. 
and there again we have a father who trains us for righteousness and exhorts us to, to, to training in righteousness. And so we carry that out in our parenting also, again, connected with the gospel. Uh, point three there, address your kids' sins when you see them. Don't leave it to your wife. Uh, again, nobody enjoys this part of parenting. I mean, I've, I don't think I've met anyone who enjoys it, uh, that, where you have to bring the rod to bear. Uh, and so, again, if you're not leading in this husband's, you're not bearing the right testimony to your wife. And an expectation that she would do it when you're not there, that's not going to be a good expectation if you're not leading in this when you are there. And then finally, enjoy them. You know, God, 1 Timothy 6.17, God has given us all things, including our children, richly to, to enjoy. And that's more explicit even in Psalm 127, verse 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb are a reward. Uh, special challenges, and like I said, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because the principles are going to be the same as we go along, but single dads and dads with unbelieving wives, you do face special challenges in parenting, and this would just be an encouragement for all of us to encourage those men. Those men who are in that position need extra help. Uh, they're going to be taking on a lot of this by themselves, and, and even if they have an unbelieving wife, that's going to be the case. You know, to the extent that she won't participate in these biblical principles, that's going to be on him. And he's going to need to come to the elders, to disciplers, to men in small group. And again, whether, however that help looks, we want that help to be able to come from the body. So, so just a note there, and then the same is going to apply uh, for, the, for the wives. And I am, my wife said, don't run out of time. And that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Uh, so, we'll get to here. Number three, wives, pursue the way of the faithful soldier. Uh, and I chose that as the analogy. Uh, Randy Patton, I'll mention him again, he chose executive vice president, which is also useful. Um, but uh, my wife mentioned something about being in the trenches. That's what she often tells me is <laughs> I come home from work having been with Pastor Dan and Pastor Randy and enjoying fellowship, and she's been in the trenches with mostly unbelievers. <laughs> uh, but you need to be a faithful soldier and that includes letter a there following your husband and this pertains and this is this is a difficult thing and here again i'd encourage for teasing this out you know talk to other women who've been down this road ahead of you um, especially in, if you're in a situation which peter describes there in first peter three of needing to submit to a husband who doesn't obey the word that is going to be a special challenge, but there is a way of faithfulness, and it reflects in, uh, and I won't get ahead of myself here, but uh, let me just say, and you see that there, you get to die to yourself also, and that is a matter of following orders, as we'll see as a, as a faithful soldier, as a faithful wife. The areas in which that happens, uh, and this is, a, this is a, a, the primary one, uh, small Roman numeral two there, she's a worker at home. And we see that in Titus 2, verse 5, is that's the primary place for the mom's ministry, for the wife's ministry. The dad is going out to provide sustenance, and the mom is implementing the, the parenting, the biblical framework, for the most part, at home. So you, mom, are the primary disciplinarian, trainer, and caretaker. Um, and something that you generally want to avoid is like mom's saving all the discipline for dad when he comes home. 
you know, and, and this can go either way. Like the dad doesn't want to discipline or the mom doesn't want to discipline. Of course, like I said, none of us really wants to. But it's always going to be better if the parent who's there, and if both are there, I like it generally if the husband takes the lead. Uh, but the parent who's there needs to discipline immediately. You don't want to get into a pattern where the kids have the disciplinarian relationship with dad and not with mom, because one of the things that will happen is mom won't have control of the house while dad's gone. And the longer that that's the case during the day, the more disastrous it's going to be. Uh, now, also, there can be the tendency, I've just seen this come up, where one of the parents gets angry in discipline, and so there's an agreement, like a mutual agreement, the one who doesn't get angry is going to do the discipline. That's not a good arrangement. Work on the anger. And that's a different lesson, but there are resources for that also. So, in terms of how the mom serves uh, the husband, she follows orders. She follows the husband's orders where they do not contradict God's. Uh, and again, First Peter 3 First Peter in general is going to be a good ministry uh, to someone whose expectations don't line up with God's in terms of the husband uh, being either an unbeliever or a weak believer and not giving direction to his wife in this. There's still a way of faithfulness. And again, Martha Peace is going to give the framework for, for faithfulness in that kind of situation. And always, 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 and hopefully you're just unified on this, you're following God's orders. Um, But that's also, of course, including where the husband is not leading. Serving your children, and you'll see this is sort of the mirror image of how husbands serve the kids. Respect your husband in front of them. Uh, That's going to demonstrate for them a willing submission to authority, which is what they want from them to you. Next point there, you get to give your life for your children, uh, which means disciplining them and training them, and not giving in to other temptations, like indulging in fun activities, even, even if those are fine to do, don't let those take the place, don't let those take your time away from what God says you must do. You are free to do those other things, but don't bring them in as a substitute for the discipline and training and instruction that God says that we must do. Uh, but, like I said for dads, do enjoy them. I mean, those, those texts that indicate that We've received even our children, and maybe even especially our children, as good things richly to enjoy. Don't leave that out. That is, that is a key part of parenting. And all of these things, like I said, we could expand on uh, just about endlessly. Um, special challenges, again, single moms, moms with unbelieving husbands, those, those uh, aspects that I mentioned for the husband uh, in that situation will apply here also. Those moms are going to need extra help from the body, extra help from pastorally, extra help from small group, and just be encouraging and seeking encouragement, uh, seeking help if you're in that kind of situation. Okay, I sped up there, I guess, at the end, and we, we finished. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, but we have a moment. Anyone have any questions about Larry? Hey, here, let's see if we can get the microphone. I have a comment, um, and I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush. I don't want someone to, to uh, feel guilty of something that they're not guilty of. <clears throat> but the problem that I've, I've seen over the years, I know of four families that had some very serious problems with their children, and there was a common denominator. 
And the common denominator was is that the father was an absentee father. It wasn't that he necessarily didn't live in the home. He lived in all four cases. He lived in the home, but he never answered the door. Uh, he never turned on the light, so to speak. He never saw that responsibility to be a, to discipline his children. And by the very word, he has to be disciplined himself. And um, it, it has resulted in some real serious problems. So for all of us, none of us do it perfectly. I certainly didn't do it perfectly. But uh, we have to uh, be conscious of the consequences if we're absentee fathers. And I think it shows up especially when we won't discipline our children. Uh, the wife gets many times gets frustrated or feels like the uh, the bad person. And so she gives up. Uh, we exasperate her, not only our children, but our wives. And uh, I would, uh, to carry that a little further, and again, not to paint with too broad of a brush, but in prison there are many men, uh, and I don't know that I've had one of them tell me that they had a, uh, a great father. Uh -huh. You know that that was uh, that disciplined them. Oh, they had fathers that were mean to them or would beat them, but not disciplined them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you, Larry. Yeah. So okay, we're we are out of time now. <laughs> but yeah, let that be just another sobering reminder of the importance of modeling the gospel to your children in how you parent, and specifically in how you relate to your wife. Uh, those dads were not uh, fulfilling that biblical role. And like I said, there could have been multiple lectures teasing out any number of the things in here. So uh, if you need uh, more of that expanded on, uh, come to Larry. Come, come to <laughs> Sorry, Larry. Now, uh, come to one of the pastors, ask someone, you know, do the, re the reverse of what Jen Cup did back in the day, <laughs> and be the one to ask for discipleship. Uh, and we do. We have an epidemic of passive men, including in the church. And so that is a key aspect of uh, just what we need to reinforce in terms of the husband, the dad's role uh, in the home. So thank you, Larry. Thank you all for being here this morning. Let me pray, and uh, I'll take a look and see if we have any key announcements, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you again for the sufficiency of your word for the issues of life. We thank you, Father, for the families you've given us in this church. We thank you, Father, for the way that you've brought uh, a whole lot of new people our way in the last couple of years. And Father, we thank you that many of them are already walking faithfully. Father, that uh, even those who have recently come to Christ, Lord, so many of them are hungry and eager to, to follow your word and everything that it requires, including in marriage and in parenting. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, to avail ourselves of the sufficiency of your word and the work of your spirit. Father, it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that as we do this, as we behold the glory of your son in the outworking of your word, that we all, as with unveiled face, are being transformed and conformed from one degree of glory to the next into the image of your Son. We want that to be the case, including in our parenting. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.